You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer it's, and uh, leader. It's one of those days where I'm looking at my notes and saying, where do I begin? Well, there's so much out there to talk about. And one of the things that continues to disturb me is the response of the administration and authorities, including the to the terrorist attack last week in Chattanooga. Four Marines and one sailor were brutally murdered in gun set up by the federal government. And, you know, they've, they've been saying on the news, well, George Bush did this, well, George Bush Sr. talked about it, but it was implemented by Bill Clinton. And there have been calls for the Fort Hood massacre, People were killed at the recruiting center in Little Rock, Arkansas, to have our servicemen carry weapons. Now, we had four Marines killed. We had other people wounded by a Muslim man who apparently had been online looking in, in uh, looking at uh, information about ISIS, looking about how to plan an attack. Yet the FBI today came out and said that they are labeling him as a lone wolf domestic extremist. Not a jihadist. It doesn't matter if he was directly influenced by ISIS. He was influenced by the ISIS-type propaganda to kill Americans, to kill infidels. Administration has basically ignored this completely. There have been no phone calls to the families of the members of the military who died. And why not? Well, they weren't criminals. They weren't like American police officers when they were in the process of committing a crime, like Michael Brown was. They don't look like Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin, the people that are not some of Obama's favorite people. He has repeatedly shown his disdain for the military. It took five days of unrelenting pressure. Uh, Michael, I hate to interrupt you, but you're breaking up pretty bad. Um, can you call me back on on the other uh, on the other line or the other your cell phone? Let's try it. This okay, time. I'll do it. Okay, I'm sorry, but it, it was just breaking up really bad. We're gonna uh, while Michael's doing that, we're going uh, we're gonna hang up on that for sure. Uh, you're listening to America's Web Radio, and we'll hook back up with Michael momentarily. We'll run a spot right quick, and we'll be back with you. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at 
www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Uh, my apologies, everybody. Uh, we've been having a problem with me trying to do this show. And we thought we fixed it. The last couple of weeks have been pretty good because I basically switched phone lines. And now we're getting the same type of interference on that line. So we've switched back to another line, and hopefully we'll be okay the rest of the day. Uh, but I still would like to know what's going on out there. Because, see, none of this happens. When I do telephone interviews on this line with other shows, I never have had a problem. Never. I had a problem with it breaking up or with being cut off. But for some reason, it continues to, to happen uh, on this line and the other line when I'm doing my show. And, gee, I'd hate to think I'm irritating somebody out there to the point where they want to shut me down. Uh, that would be just terrible. Uh, I hope I'm irritating people to that point, uh, particularly people like Obama and the FBI and this you know nonsense that I was trying to talk about before we had to switch phones, and that is the idea that we have four Marines and a sailor killed by a jihadist. No question in my mind that this guy was a jihadist. That's what he was doing. He wanted to be a martyr. He wanted to kill American servicemen, because that's what ISIS has been calling for people to do. That's what al-Qaeda has been calling for people to do. And it's what they've been doing in this country for a number of years now. And, of course, they do this in gun-free zones, like military bases and military recruiting centers, um, because Obama won't change that, the Pentagon won't change it. Uh, they want to continue with their gun-free zones. In fact, Obama's response to this is, well, first of all, like I was saying before we get interrupted, he's ignoring the families here. He did not want to lower the flags to half-mast until there was a lot of pressure put on him by veterans groups and some members of the conservative media. He finally did that. I don't know why John Boehner and Mitch McConnell waited to get it done at the Capitol as long as they did, because they had the total right to do it, whether or not the president did it or not. People in the state of Tennessee had already lowered their flags in other parts of the country. That's the way you honor people in a situation like this. You honor America's heroes. And more and more is coming out about how these Marines and the sailor were, were in fact heroes and others who had tried to rescue them. I mean, they went, they went in unarmed to face an active shooter to try to defend their friends and their comrades. That's the way members of the military do it. But they're not allowed to be armed. Obama says the response is not to arm members of the military not to even provide them with better security, well, with armed security guards, but he's told them to not wear their uniforms, to hide, essentially, to hide who they are. The members of the military don't like hiding who we are. That's why I wear my U.S. Army veteran hat around all the time. I want people to know that I'm a veteran. I want people to know that I'm proud of the fact that I served. Many, many more veterans are doing the same thing, particularly those of the Vietnam era. For a long time, we were basically told not to wear anything identifying ourselves as veterans uh, because people didn't like us. Well, I don't, never cared. 
some people didn't like me. The fact of the matter is that I'm a veteran, and I'm proud of it. And the members of our military are proud to wear their uniforms. Now they're being told that they can't do that, that they can't wear their uniforms when they're recruiting. They can't wear their uniforms when they're out in public for, for any reason. Obama defeat this terrorism, this extremism, or whatever he wants to call it, don't call it. We will defeat this by having you not wear your uniforms and pull the blinds. Hide yourself. In other words, go into hiding. The President of the United States is telling the members of the U.S. military to go hide. Not to fight back, not to be armed, but to go hide from Jesus. That, to me, is a kind of to all the members of the military in this country, to all the veterans in this country, and to the people of the United States. The one thing that is always stressed after 9-11, for example, was don't vary from your regular routine. If you do, if you go into hiding, if you stop going to public events, then the jihadists have won. They've changed our lifestyle. Well, that seems to be fine with Obama. Why aren't the military being armed? Now, in some states, like Florida and um, Wisconsin, Scott Walker's governor, Scott Walker's basically told uh, he went further than just arming the recruiters, National Guard recruiters. He's saying all members of the National Guard are now able and should carry weapons with them when they're on active duty. All members of the National Guard, when on active duty, should carry weapons. And that includes when they're at weekend drills, whether or not they're out recruiting, whatever they're doing. If they're on active duty, they should carry weapons. That's the way we, what we should be doing as a response. Instead, Obama tries to ignore this. As I mentioned earlier, it may have been cut out. Obama has yet to call anybody, any family members of these veterans, or any military personnel that were killed. Why? Because they're not Michael Brown. They're not a black thug who was trying to kill, assault, and kill or injure a white police officer. I'm very interested to see when they fill the funerals of these members of the military, whether or not anybody from the White House will be there. When Chris Kyle was buried, there was nobody from the White House attending. When we had a two-star general killed in Afghanistan, and this was around the time that Michael Brown's funeral was held, and there were three members of the White House staff attending Michael Brown's funeral, representing the president. Nobody attended the funeral of this two-star general. Nobody from the White House. That makes it pretty obvious where Obama stands when it comes to the military. That and the fact that the his, his rules of engagement for the military right now are horrendous. They have been since Obama took office. We lost hundreds of men and women in Afghanistan due to the fact that they weren't allowed to fight and weren't even allowed to protect themselves in a lot of instances. Right now, this so-called air war we're waging against ISIS 
It's a joke. It's a joke. Instead of flying the 240 sorties a day that we would need to actually do something here, we're flying maybe a half a dozen a day, sometimes a couple of days, a couple of sorties a day, sometimes none. And when they do fly, they are told that they cannot engage the enemy in any way, shape, or form without permission from the White House. Now, that means they may be in the air over a target for an hour, and nobody ever gets back to them and says you can engage the target. But when they start to run their fuel, they have to return to base. Three out of every five flights that go up, according to what I've heard from intelligence sources, three out of every five flights that we send out, and this, we're talking about the Americans here, are returned to the base without ever having fired a shot or dropped a bomb. When they are given authority to attack, it's usually on empty buildings, empty parked pickup trucks. Obama doesn't want any of these jihadists, any of these ISIS members killed or hurt. He has more interest in protecting them, obviously, than he does the members of our own military. Let's take our first break now. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. So we have our American military being basically hamstrung by our own government, not able to effectively fight. And then we have these budget cuts that continue to decimate our military, cut the size of our military. You know, this is something, and I, I hate it when I'm right, but this is something I predicted years ago when they started talking about getting together Congress and the president and putting on these potential budget cuts that would happen automatically under certain circumstances. 
if they couldn't reach agreements on certain things. Well, I, I told people at that point, I said, this is going to happen. These budget cuts are primarily going to affect the military, and there is no way that Obama is going to do what needs to be done to prevent them. Congress, because at that point you had uh, the Democrats still controlling the United States Senate, Congress is, is not going to do anything about this. These budget cuts are going to start happening, and they're going to primarily affect our military and our capabilities. Well, they've been happening, and more have been piled on top. Obama is doing everything he can to destroy our military morale. Even the liberal media now is reporting the fact that the morale in our military is the lowest it has been since prior to World War II. Even during Vietnam, the morale was not this bad. And it's primary come, primarily coming from our own government. I mean, that whole idea of sequestration was to reach a so-called agreement so they could keep the government running, but eventually the sequestration would kick in and it would start taking money away from the military. Doesn't take anything away from welfare programs, but it does take away from the military. Now we got more cuts. The Army has announced that 40,000 members of the U.S. Army are going to be basically laid off. They're going to be thrown out into a workforce where there is no work. These are people, some of who have given their the better part of their lives to serving their country. Or they plan to give the better part of their lives to serving the country. You've got people of all ranks and all ages who are now going to be forced to try to find a job out in civilian population where there are no jobs and where the number of the jobs are actually shrinking. I mean, you know, what's happening is interesting and, and it's predictable. What's happening in the, the cities and the states where they have raised the minimum wage so high. And by the way, this irritates the hell out of me because here we're getting rid of a bunch of kids in the military who, when they enter the military, are basically making the equivalent of $8.75 an hour to risk their lives, to go through what they go through, to work on holidays, to work and go overseas away from their families, to risk the loss of their lives and their limbs for $8.75 an hour. And people out there slinging hamburgers at McDonald's are demanding and getting $15 an hour. Life is tough. Well, John Wayne said, life is tough, but it's even tougher when you're stupid. And the people that have raised the minimum wage that high for all employees are basically putting businesses out of, out of business or businesses are cutting back on the number of employees. Oh, McDonald's now is looking at going to almost completely automated. Where you go to a McDonald's restaurant, the people will be the people there cooking the food, but basically you'll make your own order using a computer screen. But this is the type of thing we're doing in this country. And our military is losing 40,000 men just in the United States Army. The Marine Corps has already been cut down to the point where it's the smallest it's been since prior to World War II. Same with the Navy. Basically, the Air Force is about half the size of what it was just a few years ago. 
and the chief of the army, a general, I can't think of his name right off the top of my head. I'm going to bring it on that. But he's retiring. So now he's finally able to speak out. And he was said in an interview just day before yesterday that we have reached the end of our rope. That even before the 40,000 men that they were going to lose to be cut, we were no longer had the capability to defend our country successfully around from attacks around the world from our enemies. We can't defend ourselves from ISIS, much less from the Russians or the Chinese. The Russians are building up their military. The Chinese are increasing the size of their military dramatically. We are not in a position to defend ourselves. He said that the worst-case scenario, as far as he was concerned, was cutting the military down to about 480,000 personnel because it had been up to almost 600,000 during the height of the, the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. 480,000. Well, with these new cuts, the military is going to go down to about 440,000. He just flat out said, we can't defense, effectively defend ourselves. We're going to have to cut back and Right now, we're already withdrawing the Navy from around the world. I mean, ISIS is operating in the Middle East. ISIS is operating throughout the Middle East. And airstrikes against ISIS, a lot of them could successfully be launched from our aircraft carriers. An aircraft carrier in the Mediterranean, it's being pulled back. Now, normally they rotate them. Sometimes we'll have as many as two or three. Uh, always had one. And they would rotate and, you know, the leader would come in and take his place. Pulling out our last aircraft carrier, Obama is, not rotating anything in. In crisis, one of our animals, like our consulate at Benghazi, when it was overrun, there was no airstrikes available. or They were, but Obama wouldn't let them be launched. But if we don't have anybody there, we can't rescue Americans that need to be rescued. We're not ready to defend our own people. And Obama doesn't want our people to be defended. What's one of his top priorities right now? To close Gitmo. The prison at Guantanamo Bay. He vowed to do that when he was running for office. He vowed to do that when he took office. And now he's going to do it. And how's he doing it? Well, he's letting all of these people go. These known terrorists. He's letting them go. Back to their countries of origin in some cases, or wherever they want to go. Remember, he traded five top Taliban fighters for Bo Bergdahl, who was an American soldier who was a deserter. And so we took back a deserter, and we gave them five top Taliban fighters, and they were supposed to remain in the country in the Middle East until Obama said they could be released. Well, apparently he said they could be released because they understanding has all been released, and at least one of them is back in the fight route now with the Taliban, joining the Taliban. 
Obama's been releasing, oh, about surreptitiously about eight to ten prisoners a month from Gitmo. And most of the time they're not monitored. They're just sent out to fight Americans again or to blow up people in, in France or in Germany. Basically do whatever they want to do. Obama is rendering this country defenseless. And by the way, what's going to happen to Gitmo once he closes the prison? A little history of Guantanamo Bay. We basically took control of that area years ago following the Spanish-American War when we basically liberated Cuba at that point from Spain. And uh, part of the deal, Cuba was, you know, not part of the United States. It was not like Puerto Rico. But Cuba did agree as gratitude for what we had done. Cuba did agree to lease us an area called Guantanamo Bay for a U.S. naval base. And this was like a 100-year lease, renewable for another 100 years. That's why Castro's never been able to get us out of Gitmo. And he tried. They launched some attacks on Gitmo. The problem was that the attacks were pretty weak and they weren't prepared to fight to take on U.S. Marines. So finally, Castro just gave up and Gitmo has stayed. What do you want to bet that no sooner have the last terrorists been released from Gitmo that Obama is going to close the naval base there and give it back okay, give it to a communist dictator? I mean, those are BFS right now. The communist dictators and the Muslim jihadists around the world, they're always BFFs. I mean, he's you know, suddenly normalized relations with Castro's Cuba. There are American prisoners being held in Cuba. We released some Cuban prisoners that were being held here, some Cuban spies. We gave them back as part of this deal. Why were no Americans released? Why, when we made this deal with Iran, were no Americans released from the Iranian prisons? Why weren't they even a part of the discussion? Obama says they were, but we know better. They were not part of the discussion. He didn't care. He didn't care about the people of the United States. He didn't care about American sovereignty. He didn't care. Didn't care about our constitution. I mean, the wrong deal itself proves that. I did a little. Legal memorandum here recently about the Iranian deal. Well, I'm probably going to turn it into an article for my blog. But it's it's something that I think needs to be done. But the trouble is, I can't do it. The United States Justice Fund can't do it. The Justice Foundation can't do it. We have to have a plaintiff withstanding to sue the government. A U.S. senator possibly a member of the House of Representatives, but preferably a U.S. Senator, who will step forward and say, this agreement with Obama, for us to look at this treaty, 
and get it labeled a treaty, this agreement must be ratified, this treaty must be ratified by two-thirds of the Senate, not by a majority of the House and the Senate combined. Let's take our second breakdown. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to America's WebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Okay, well, it seems as though we've uh, lost Michael again. Um, let's run one more ad, and as soon as we get get him back on the line, uh, we'll we'll bring him back. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Okay, and I believe we've got Michael back on the line. Uh, seems like we're having telephone problems again. Yeah, here we go again. I'm not, not sure what ha- what's happening. I was holding during the break, and all of a sudden, they got disconnected, and then my phone automatically started dialing other numbers. So if anybody out there who's on my phone list uh, thinks they just got a butt call from me, that's wasn't what it was. <laughs> I have no idea what it was. He just went nuts. 
But anyway, we were talking about the Iranian deal and the uh, fact that, remember, the United States Senate ought to stand up and say this is a treaty, and it needs to be ratified by two-thirds of the Senate. And failure to submit it as a treaty violates my constitutional obligation as a senator to represent the people of my state and to vote on whether or not to ratify a treaty. We need a senator to be the plaintiff. I don't know that any senator is going to come forward. I doubt it. I would love to see it. But there can be a second issue raised, too. And this might be raised successfully by a member of the House of Representatives. Even if you don't call it a treaty, you call it just an international agreement that can be done by Congress voting to allow it to be done. But see, that's what that's what executive agreements are basically. Uh, they Congress can override an executive agreement made by the president by a majority vote. But here, what you have is a, a deal between the president and the leadership of the House and the Senate, both houses held by Republicans, who basically told the President of the United States, okay, you can do this deal with Iran, but you have to submit it to us for 60 days review. And then we will hold an up-and-down vote on whether or not to allow it to go forward. It will only take a majority of both houses to stop it. However... If we vote yes, then it goes, the deal goes forward. If we vote no, then you can veto our no vote. And it will take two-thirds of both the House and the Senate to override your veto. Article 1, Section 7 of the Constitution says that when bills or laws are passed by Congress, they must be submitted to the president for his signature. He has two choices. He can either sign the bill, in which case it becomes law, or he can veto the bill, in which case the Congress can override his veto by a majority vote of two-thirds of each House, two-thirds of the Senate, two-thirds of the House of Representatives. That's if the bill is passed. There is absolutely no provision in the Constitution and no legal precedence that I can find for the president to override or to veto a negative vote. I mean, when Congress introduces a bill, it is something they want to become the law of the land. If they pass it, the president can veto it. If they don't pass it, it doesn't exist. So how can the president veto it? Here, Congress has agreed to give the president of the United States authority to veto a negative, authority to override a no vote, and to force them in a position of having a two-thirds majority of both houses, to override the president's override. Now, does that, that doesn't make any sense. Does it make sense to you? It doesn't make sense to me. It's clearly an unconstitutional agreement between the president and Congress. I don't care if Congress says, okay, we, we can agree with the president to do this. You can't agree to do something that the Constitution <laughs> does not allow. 
And Article One, Section 7 of the Constitution makes no mention of the president vetoing a negative vote by Congress. The whole thing stands as kind of the Constitution on its head. It just can't happen that way. So anyway, I would love to see somebody step forward, and I'd be glad to help with the legal end of it. If somebody would step forward and do this, we'll take the president on, we'll challenge it. Otherwise, we are going to end up living with a deal with Iran that will ultimately turn it probably within a year or less into a nuclear power that will get some speculate now that they will probably end up with about 200 nuclear warheads within the next 10 years. They will have ballistic missiles. We're releasing millions and millions of dollars in uh, money that was seized uh, from Iranian banks, from the Iranian government, had in forward banks. Millions and millions of dollars which they can now use to develop nuclear weapons, to test nuclear weapons, to get ballistic missiles so they can fire those weapons, not only at Israel, but the continental United States and all over the rest of the world. And they can continue and increase their support of terrorists. I mean, after all, this agreement has been made with the largest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. They were the ones, the Iranians were the ones making the IEDs that were killing American soldiers in Iraq. They were supplying the materials, they were supplying the troops to train the so called insurgents. Yet we are not going to reward them by giving them money that they need to support Hamas, to support Hezbollah, to support Al Qaeda. I mean, something that big deal is being made about the fact that they don't like ISIS. Well, so what? Members of Al Qaeda have been in hiding in Iran for years. We have reason to believe, and I'm, I'm, I believe it's absolutely true, that uh, Osama bin Laden was hiding in Iran for at least a year after 9 11. We are now rewarding our enemies and putting the screws to our friends. We only have one true ally in the Middle East. That's Israel. Israel is basically being told that, that you can go ahead and that we're throwing you to the wolves. And John Kerry, that traitorous SOB, and I hate to say that, that, that about anybody, but, you know, Here's a guy who turned on his fellow servicemen in Vietnam. And then after using fake, faking purple hearts, getting purple hearts through faking injuries, and basically trying to, to hide from combat, he turns on his fellow servicemen. And now then becomes, you know, gets what he wants eventually, becomes a United States senator, and now Secretary of State, and he is basically turned over the farm to the Iranians. The Ayatollah in Iran gets up just a couple of days after this agreement and tells the Iranian people that this agreement really doesn't mean what it says, that we're really not going to follow this agreement, that we are not going to change our attitudes toward the United States, 
We want to destroy the United States. Death to the U.S., death to Israel. And that's what he leads the people in chanting. Death to the U.S., death to Israel. And John Kerry says, I'm, I'm kind of disturbed by that. I really don't understand why he did that. Well, dummy, he did it because you let him do it. He's not afraid of you. He's not afraid of the United States. He's not afraid of Obama. Nobody out there is afraid of Obama. Nobody out there fears the United States. That's why it was totally predictable what was going to happen when a terrorist attack was launched on members of the American military right here in this country. What happened was nothing. Our military is told to go into hiding, don't wear uniforms, don't carry weapons, close the blinds in the recruiting offices. And the perpetrator of all this, the person who killed him, he's a domestic extremist. Now, interestingly enough, his relatives, who he visited in Jordan for an extensive period of time, have been arrested by the Jordanian authorities. For what? Terrorism? Terrorist connections? We don't know. Nobody's talked. Why aren't we getting the true story here? Well, we never get the true story anymore. Obama lies about everything. Hillary lies about everything. John Kerry lies about everything. Nancy Pelosi lies. You name it, they're lying to us. The American people are not being told the truth about virtually anything, much less a terrorist threat to this country. Because make no mistake, the threat is there. And it's growing. And how are they going to combat the terrorist threat? Well, disarm us. That's Obama's ultimate goal, is to disarm the American people. Not the criminals, not the mafia, not the jihadists, but to disarm the American people. And everything will be perfect. We'll have a liberal utopia. By the way, I wrote an article about that a few weeks ago. And uh, if you want to read the articles on my blog, go to Michael Connolly, C-O-N-N-E-L-O-Y dot J-I-G-S-Y dot com. And if you like the articles and you want to get notice, email notices from me uh, to send you a notice whenever I post a new article. You can do that. My email address is is on the website. You can email me, and I'll be glad to, to let you know when I post new articles. By the way, that, that list is uh, my list. I don't share it with anybody else, and you're not going to get forwards and that sort of thing. Uh, you only get notified when I put a new article up. Because I'm writing quite a bit now, right now, because there's a lot going on, a lot that needs to be talked about. And let's go ahead and take our final break now. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, 
the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Well, the latest article on my blog was just posted about two days ago. Yeah, it's called Taking the Next Step. And basically, it's out that, again, sometimes I wish I wasn't right, but that months ago, on this show, in speeches I've made around the country, on other radio shows, where I'm interviewed, and in my blog, I started predicting that what was happening with the veterans and the attempts to disarm America's heroes, that that was just the tip of the iceberg, that that was the beginning. The veterans, of course, were receiving these letters telling them, the VA telling them because of their mental or physical disabilities, they're going to be declared incompetent to handle their own financial affairs, and they're going to be well, declared incompetent, and a fiduciary is going to be appointed to represent them. And once that happens, the letter also goes on to say that you can no longer own, possess, transport, or purchase firearms or ammunition. If you do, you're guilty of a felony. Veterans are then, their names are sent by the VA to the FBI, and the FBI automatically classifies them as being mentally ill to the point of being a danger to themselves or others. No adjudication process is required by law. No proof that they're mentally ill to the point of being a danger to themselves or others. Veterans are being put on this list because they have minor PTSD issues, because they may have been arrested sometime over the loss of a friend in combat, or for whatever reason, even if they weren't treated for that depression, or they let their spouses pay the family bills, or they have the bills paid automatically by the bank. 23 million veterans out there. All of us took the oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. We believe in that oath. We're trained to fight for our country. We're a danger to a dictatorship. And ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about it. What we are living under in this country right now is a dictatorship. We have a president of the United States who bypasses and ignores Congress, Member leadership in Congress that seems totally incapable of doing anything to stop the president. They won't impeach him. And I've drawn up formal articles of impeachment and submitted them to the Congress. And they're in the House Judiciary Committee and nothing is happening. 
There are numerous impeachable offenses out there that he'd be removed for, and it only takes a majority of the House to impeach and two-thirds of the Senate to convict. We have a president who ignores the orders of federal courts, who ignores the fact that we have a federal court in, in Texas and a the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals panel that has told him that he cannot proceed with the amnesty for the illegals that he granted, and he's doing it anyway. Right here in South Texas, sometime in the next week or two, there are going to be 2,000 illegals in detention centers in South Texas, 2,000 so-called family members, who are going to be released. They're going to be dumped on Texas cities and towns. The government is going to want Texas to assist in providing free health care, free education, free housing, free food to all of these illegals who have broken our law by being here. Federal courts say Obama can't do that. Obama's going to do it anyway. So with all of this happening to the veterans, I predicted that the next step for Obama because he is establishing himself as a dictator, is to go after more American citizens. Now, at the United States Justice Foundation, we filed opposition memorandums uh, late last year to propose rule changes by HHS, Health and Human Services Department, and BATF, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. They were proposing rules to basically change the definition of mental illness to make more people susceptible to being put on the next list and to allow the federal government to totally disregard the HIPAA laws, which are the laws designed to protect the privacy of our medical records. And what they were saying was that HHS would be able to access your medical records Look to see if you'd ever gone to a doctor and said you were depressed. Look to see if you'd ever taken certain types of medication, such as ADHD medication. To look and see if you'd ever been treated for PTSD. They could access your court records to find out if you had ever seen a psychiatrist by court order. And that happens all the time in family court because judges in Louisiana, where I practiced for many years, uh, routinely send families to be interviewed by a psychologist or psychiatrist if there's a custody battle going on. The reason is to try to help the judge decide who should get custody, make sure there's no child abuse going on. It's not to punish any individual. 99% of the time, the courts will get a report back saying that there's really, you know, except for the routine stress of being in a divorce situation. There's really nothing, no psychological problems going on with family members. Yet, they're going to access your records, your court records, and if you've ever been sent to a psychiatrist or a psychologist under court order, you automatically are then going to be added to the next list and classified as mentally ill to the point of being a danger to yourself or others and will no longer be willing firearms. Who are they going to do this to? Well, first of all, they're going to do it to senior citizens. I've been saying this for months. I've been ignored until 
a couple of days ago when the L.A. Times comes out with a major article about this. And there were two important aspects of that article. First of all, they said exactly what I've been saying about how they're going to do it, why they're going to do it, if they're going to take anybody who's uh, ever been treated for PTSD or taken certain medications, and they're going to look at their records, and they're going to put them on the list. And they're going to do it because they might be elderly and might forget where their car keys are occasionally. They might forget to pay a bill on time occasionally. That doesn't make them a danger to themselves or others. That doesn't make them mentally ill. That doesn't give the government to take away their Second Amendment rights. But guess what they're going to do? The article goes into details about this. And then the article admits what has been denied. For two years I've been talking about the veteran situation. And I get people to listen when I make the speeches, but I can't get the VA, I mean the uh, VFW to listen. I can't get the American Legion, and I'm a past commander of American Legion post for two years, and a lifetime member. I can't get them to listen. In fact, the American Legion came out with an article quoting some unnamed source right after I broke the story two years ago. They put this article in their blog in which the so-called unnamed source, who claimed to be a veteran's advocate, said, oh, this isn't, this isn't right, this doesn't exist. They get complete due process when this happens. There's no due process when this happens. So I've been trying to get people to pay attention. Even the NRA didn't seem to be interested. Now all of a sudden I see the NRA out raising money for the fact that this is happening to senior citizens. Why weren't they interested when the veterans were having it done to them? Because it's not going away for the veterans, it's accelerating. We at the United States Justice Foundation are representing individual veterans. We're helping them to prepare the paperwork to try to fight this. We really need to just file a major lawsuit. But frankly, we can't get enough people out there willing to support us to give us the money to do it because it's going to be expensive. We spend the money to raise. We have very little administrative overhead. We have very few full-time employees. What we do is we hire attorneys to work for us. They usually work at reduced rates. And we engage in litigation to protect constitutional rights. And that's what we're going to do here. But I need some people to, to contact me and say, look, I'll give you 10000 I'll give you 20000 I'll give you a bunch of money to help do this for the veterans and now for senior citizens. Because who's next? They're going to do this as millions of senior citizens. What about students out there who have federally guaranteed student loans? How long before they start declaring them incompetent, taking away their Second Amendment rights? How long is it going to be before they go after employees of companies doing business with the federal government? As a matter of fact, two days ago, the New York Times called for the federal government to go after these businesses particularly firearms manufacturers, ammunition manufacturers who do business with the federal government and tell them that they would have to stop allowing so many sales of firearms and ammunition to the general population. Go to my blog at www.michaelconnelly.com. 
and read this new article and send it out to people. Get the word out. We have reached a tipping point. This is a major crisis. It's going to get worse unless we move up to stopping. And we're the group who are doing it right now. I'm available to make speeches about this. I'm available to do interviews. And I'm going to continue to write about it, continue to represent veterans. We're going to continue to fight for it. So go to my website and blog and check it out, what we're doing. Go to usjf.net and see more of the and my website, you can also look at the things like uh, my books that I've written and how to order them. Thank you for having me uh, on again today, and I look forward to talking to you next week. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.